Welcome once again. It's time for Sales Pipeline Radio. So catch a wave, grab your board. Let's ride along with Matt Hines from Hines Marketing. How are we doing, Paul? I'm doing good today. Today, it sounds like you're going to do kind of a year-end recap or rant or... uh, or Uh, could yeah, be both. Well, you can call it anything you want. I guess we'll find out. You know, we uh, thanks for joining us here, everybody in Sales Pipeline Radio. You can join us here every week on Thursday at eleven thirty Pacific, two thirty Eastern. We feature a variety of interesting speakers, thought leaders, experts in the sales and marketing world, specifically focused on B two B, specifically focused on helping people build and close bigger pipelines of business. And typically, we've got boy a handful of great speakers and great people to, to interview. And today, Paul, it's just you and me. It's just you and me today. All right. Uh, but uh, I do want to walk through, you know, we're going to do a little bit of uh, walking through what we've seen so far in 2016, what we expect sales and marketing professionals are looking at in 2017, kind of tee up the new year a little bit before we all take off and kind of get engrossed in our hot toddies and eggnog. And uh, I definitely want to encourage any of you who are listening live today uh, on salespipelineradio.com or listening in uh, through the Lead Radio Network. Uh, Paul, what's the best way for people to call in if they have a question or want to contribute something? We're taking calls live today. Here's the number, area code 94. 94- That's 949-330-7761. Operator, standing by to take your call. Uh, yeah, we have a whole bank of operators. If you're not if you're not watching the live version of the show, it's pretty much like the old uh, Labor Day merit Labor Day telethon. <laughs> Banks uh, of them. Got a whole group of people that are answering phones. I'm, I'm kidding. Did, did you guys call. get a call? Oh no. Okay, I thought the phone was lighting up back there. <laughs> no, okay. um, but no, I, I, you know, I thought we'd take advantage of the opportunity today uh, to talk a little about a, a topic and a theme that we're thinking an awful lot about heading into 2017. It's the idea of profit center marketing. Now we have spent time. Uh, you know, with a lot of our guests talking about marketers embracing revenue responsibility and talking about the idea of full funnel marketing, encouraging marketers to think about their impact across the entire funnel. And so I, we think of profit center marketing as sort of the next step uh, in that evolution. We think of it as an, as an opportunity to treat your marketing organization as a, as a profit center because I think the alternative, if we're not doing that, uh, is that people see us as a cost center. And I've seen way too many organizations that really kind of position themselves as a cost center. Uh, when you're seen as the arts and crafts department, when you operate <laughs> as the arts and crafts department, when you seem more focused on picking the right T-shirt for the trade show than actually driving you know, opportunities into the sales organization, when you report on operational metrics as opposed to business metrics, you know, your, your, your CEO, your CFO does not care about your clicks and retweets. They don't care about your email open rates. They probably don't even care about marketing qualified leads. You can't buy a beer with a marketing qualified lead. (laughs) So the idea that you can operate your marketing as a profit center starts to get interesting. And someone at a, I was speaking at a conference and someone in the Q&A earlier this year asked me, he said, well, why, you know, what do we have to do to get a blank check from the CFO in marketing? Well, the, the answer is not just to go tell them we need to do more trade shows because everyone else is doing it. But if you, just like any other part of the business, can go to the CFO and say, give me a dollar, I'll make you three, they should, the CFO is going to come back and say, how, for how long can you do that? Can you do that every month? Can you, can you, give me, can you guarantee me that I'm going to get that after you've proven that it works? I mean, this is how, this is how marketers are ultimately going to get, get that blank check. And obviously, this is much more difficult in an increasingly complex B2B world. Uh, let's not pretend that the white paper download generates uh, generates the six seven figure deal when you're dealing with a you know six eight eight month longer sales cycle. Uh, you certainly have an awful lot of different channels and different marketing tactics that are playing there. 
But I could argue that it either makes attribution more important or less important. If marketing now all of a sudden has a focus on the same objectives that sales does. If marketing says our goal is not leads, our goal is not traffic, our goal is not pipeline, our goal is revenue. And everything they're doing is focused on that. Now, you're going to have to prove as a marketing organization that that's really what you're willing to do. You're going to have to demonstrate to the organization that that's the direction you plan on going. It's got to be a lot more than lip service. I've seen many organizations talk about revenue responsibility, talk about the idea that they're going to be directly contributing revenue results for the organization and then go back to just doing what they've always done Uh, you are blowing my mind here today here this is supposed to be comforting this is supposed to be uh making me feel like i'm doing everything right and i'm i'm just getting ready for the new year you're telling me that marketing's been doing it wrong forever i was in marketing departments many many years ago it doesn't mean everything's wrong. I mean, I, 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 and it doesn't mean what you're doing is wrong. In, in many cases, you know, uh, well, first of all, look, look, I mean, this is not meant to be the apocalyptic uh, uh, episode of Sales Pipeline Radio here today. But I think that, um, you know, look, I, I do think that we continue to get deeper and deeper into a world, especially in B2B, where marketers have to account for what they're doing. And there's plenty of things you will do as a marketer that don't have an immediate ROI. Let's not pretend that you're going to go do a bunch of tweets and then say, where's the pipeline coming from those tweets? But when you communicate to the organization that that's all about clicks and, and retweets and share a voice, you're not speaking the language of the business and you're telling the rest of the organization that you have a different focus than they do. Go ahead, Paul. We had on one of our other shows the founders and creators of what I think is arguably one of the biggest wine brands out there. It may not be the most sophisticated, but it's called Barefoot Wines. You see it in every store. It was eventually bought by Gallo for, I don't know, tens or hundreds of millions of dollars here. And now they go around and talk about this. And when they created their company, they said, we only have two departments. We have manufacturing and we have sales. You're either you're either helping us make stuff, you're helping us sell stuff. Everybody was defined in those two functions, and I never heard it put that way. It's kind of what you're saying here. If it, it, everybody has to be contributing to the bottom line, they can't just be saying, "Well, hire me, and I'm going to do create brochures in the old days or trade shows, and I'm going to create tweets, and I'm going to create likes, and somehow I earn my paycheck." So you're right, but here, but here's the problem that you face. Is I, I've, and I've talked to a lot of marketers about this. I, I spoke at a CMO council down in San Francisco last week, and the idea that marketing may actually be in the sales department moving forward, uh, the, the, the marketers bristled at that. Yeah. The idea that marketers are now part of sales was not something a lot of people wanted to hear. And I'm not talking about org charts here. I'm not talking. I'm not saying that your CMO is going to report to the VP of sales moving forward. But I love that simplicity. I love the idea that you either make it or you sell it. And that's that's all it comes down to. Now, it doesn't mean that every person in the organization making stuff, uh, you know, is all about just, you know, is all is putting their hands on the product. It doesn't mean that you're if you're involved in selling the product, you're not always there when the prospect is signing on the line that is dotted. But what are you doing that is that is directly contributing to one of those two things? You said, Paul, we got a caller. Yeah, we got a caller here. Let's bring him in. Uh, welcome, caller, to uh, Sales Pipeline. Identify yourself. This is Jim Obermeyer. Jim Obermeyer. Jim, how are you, man? Good. I remember shows gone by where you've brought up the controversial thing: should marketers be compensated based on what they generate in sales? Don't just pay them a salary and give them a task. Uh, hold them accountable for what the results are and pay them accordingly. That's the program. When uh, Matt talks about marketers have to account for what you're doing, 
Matt, how does a, how does a marketer account for what they're doing? It's not just enough to t- for us to tell them what's wrong with the world. We got to tell them how to do it. Yeah. Can you tell us how marketers can account for that revenue that they're creating? Yeah. How do you well, prove that somebody because they like they always say, "Well, I got you ten thousand tweets, but nobody bought." You know, <laughs> how, how do you how do you create a connection to that? Yeah, well, and I think it, it's a really good question, and, and there's some amazing technology tools that can make this easier. But I think intent is is more important than precision in this front. Yeah. Um, if you're if you're generating tweets for the sake of tweets. If you're telling me that you have this big clipbook from your PR team and you're excited because it happens to be a big clipbook, well, tell me that those got in front of the right people. I've had many conversations with PR firms where they want to get in the biggest publications that have the most the most uh, the most views. But what I really want is the trade press. I want to get uh, I want to get coverage right in front of the people that matter. And if I'm going to get that coverage, what's the right message? If you understand your prospects well enough, you understand the stages of their buying journey, at the very beginning of that buying journey, you need to challenge their status quo. You need to get them to think differently based on a topic, based on a trend, based on something going on in their business that gets them to think differently about an outcome, that gets them off their duff and eventually gets them to commit to a change. What is that message? And how do you get that message in front of your target? Right. So now when we're thinking about PR, we're thinking about awareness, we're thinking about creating share of voice, we're thinking about all the things that provide air cover for organizations to sell, which people have been doing forever. What this does, independent of how you measure it, I'm not talking about measurement systems. I'm not saying, well, this blog post tend to get this many more people into the pipeline. That's all fine and good. But there's a precision of execution. There's a precision of strategy and a precision of execution that I'm looking for for marketers here. Not all clicks are equal. Not all impressions are equal. I will happily take far fewer impressions on my PR coverage if they're in front of the right people. I will happily spend four times as much on a lead if I get a lead from an organization, an individual that has a problem that I can solve, that will increase my likelihood of converting them, that will give me an acceptable acquisition cost and a higher lifetime value. And that is a level of thinking that I we just don't see from marketers enough. And so it doesn't necessarily change what you're doing. It doesn't change the mix of what you're doing. I was just on a tweet chat about ABM, and someone said, you know, someone asked the question, hey, do you have an ABM budget? Well, I, I, for, for Heinz Marketing, I do, but I don't call it ABM. I call it marketing. <laughs> I mean, this, all these new ideas don't necessarily change how we're at, yeah. what we're doing. And maybe you they call it sales going forward. Maybe it's maybe marketing is uh, the wrong measure here. It's not about just bringing it to the market. It's about what happens when that message hits the market. Yeah. Well, so some of this is not. It's not just marketing. You have to account for what you're doing and telling people how to do it. It's calling that marketing department together and say, for every tactic that you create, I want you to also create an expectation of revenue, mm-hmm. an expectation of performance. And it's up to you to figure out how you're going to do it. We as a group are going to tell you when you're not doing it, but for the most part, don't do something if you don't expect to support the revenue target. But let's be honest. How you're going to do it. Is that it? I was going to say, let's be honest. Hasn't always been the role of marketing, though? I mean, isn't that the simplest thing is just to generate quantity, is to get more leads, is to get more clicks, is to get more likes? And the more you get, the better the job you seem to be doing? And what Matt seems to be saying is the same thing we say in this medium all the time. It's not about how many anymore. It's about who. Well, I had a, I had a chief marketing officer once tell me that they considered their job to flood the sales team with leads. Right. And that is, that is such a ridiculous thing to say. 
that you think it's your job just to sort of flood them with leads so that they have no no ability to actually adequately follow up with them, no ability to necessarily like sort which ones are the most likely to engage, most yeah. likely to buy, which ones are most likely to buy the most from you, be the best lifetime value customers. That is lazy marketing when you're focused on those, as far as I'm concerned. People won't put up with that anymore. Well, because yeah, it, it, as you say, they hate it. Uh, they get a flood of leads, and they're all pointless. They're all just fluff. There's, it's a waste of time. Yeah. Well, I'm yeah. Now, call. Like, and this is this is not meant to sort of be a uh, let's beat on marketer day. Right? <laughs> I, I think, with, with, and, and honestly, because I think you know every marketer I know, and and honestly myself included, we go through this evolution, right? And, and we learn. I think as marketers, we are not in the sales department historically. I think a lot of marketers have not historically been asked. To put a focus on this, no. But but the, the the day of reckoning has come, and 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 I think that you know as each month and each quarter goes by, we are definitely seeing this become far more important. We're seeing not only the the request for marketing to embrace revenue responsibility grow, but the imperative for marketing to change where they're focused, to change how they decide what they're going to do, to change the culture inside marketing organization to be less about activity, less about volume, more about quality, more about output, more about, well, more about, you know, rev- you know metrics you can buy a bear with. Uh, boy, we got a lot. <laughs> we're getting all fired up here on Sales Pipeline. Radio. Gonna, we got a lot more to cover. As usual, I had a whole bunch of content I wanted to cover, and we're about 3% through it, but, you know, that's okay. We got all kinds of time. We're going to take a break, though. Uh, we'll be right back here in a couple minutes. Thanks for joining us, Sales Pipeline Radio. In a world where the speed of innovation and change in B2B marketing has never been greater, the only thing bigger is the need for clarity, for a blueprint, for a guide to what's really working. And how about a way to apply it specifically today to increase sales pipeline growth, velocity, and most of all, conversion? That's what you'll find in the Modern Marketer's Field Guide. And amazingly, you can download it for free. HeinzMarketing.com, just like it sounds, H-E-I-N-Z-M-A-R-K-E-T-I-N-G. It encompasses the entire sales and marketing cycle, but in quick bursts with lots of specific, actionable ideas, strategies, tactics you can put to work right away, like today. The loaded table of contents helps you narrow in and tackle a problem, and it's something you can come back to over and over again as a reference guide. Why not download your free copy of the Modern Marketer's Field Guide? It's free. HeinzMarketing.com, just like it sounds. H-E-I-N-Z, marketing.com. All right, back to our radical bomb thrower here, Matt Hines, today here as he tries to blow up the uh, traditional role of marketing just to flood you with leads here. Well, you know, what's interesting is, you know, this is not... For a lot of marketers, this is not new. This may be something they're sort of, you know, a little more reticent to embrace, but it's not necessarily a new concept. Uh, you know, for, for marketers, that this is kind of a new idea. We've got a lot to talk about. Uh, we <laughs> Where have you been? Yeah. You know, for, for others, it really is just sort of a call to arms, I guess. You know, I think that that you know this is not something you can hide from. This is, you know, I think you know we we occasionally in marketing see things where like you know the internet's a fad. I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> or you know direct marketing and B two B is a fad. I can go back to doing my awareness and brand marketing here in a little bit. This isn't going away. And I think a lot of organizations um, that are more traditional industries, you know, maybe a little further afield from seeing this. But most you know tech companies I know, my most early stage startup growth, you know, fast growth companies. This is an expectation of what marketing's doing. So, 
I'd love to just outline what I consider kind of six key focus areas of, of profit center marketing. So hopefully we've you got uh, six minutes to do it here. One minute per, per each. Six minutes. My goodness. All right, so number one is what I consider just objectives and alignment. Like knowing you're focused on the right things and having alignment with the rest of the organization on why those matter. You know, and, and I'm not as worried about you know the, the the precision of reporting here as much as knowing what your goal is and aligning your organization behind that, aligning your organization, aligning behind the sales organization, having a much lighter, much more greater level of communication uh, and engagement with sales and with your finance team. So is objective goal, alignment is number one. Number is two it, is reporting. I was just going to say, is that goal written? Is it on the wall? Is everybody can everybody state it? If I walk into the company from the marketing backroom people to the uh, front office people i would hope so yeah and, and and i would hope from a reporting standpoint that you do you know you, you can differentiate your operational dashboard from your executive dashboard you know that you know that marketing exists to drive revenue performance in the organization but that doesn't mean your email marketer isn't still focused on increasing opens and clicks and engagement on emails it doesn't mean that your social um, media manager isn't focused on getting more yield from your facebook ads i mean those tactical operational marketing marketing metrics still matter where I where I have a problem is when those become the metrics. Those that becomes the story for marketing. Right. When you say that our job is to get increased opens and clicks as opposed to driving revenue, and that is exactly what you're communicating when those are the reports that you take to the executive team and to the management team. So number one, objectives and alignment. Number two, reporting. Number three is culture, and this might be the most important and most difficult one on the list because we have to change the way the organization thinks and acts as a profit center. You will have, as you start to communicate, if you're a marketing leader and you start to communicate the idea of profit center marketing, I guarantee you, you will have people that are afraid for their jobs. You'll have people that don't like to change. You'll have people that aren't necessarily interested in doing something different. They may push back on you. They may push back on their managers. They may just try to wait it out <laughs> and hope that it goes away and hope that after the first couple of months of the year, just like New Year's resolutions, we can fall back into our own habits. You are going to have to work as a marketing leader, as a business leader, to change the culture in the organization. I love that Barefoot Vineyards example. You're building or you're selling. Those are the functions of the business. So that cultural change is number three. Is the number three key to profit. And would you enforce that with how you pay people? You know, people people respect what you inspect. It's sort of that same thing. If you uh, do, you somehow change the way they're paid so that it, it's closer aligned to. Uh what they generate in sales? Yeah, I mean, or, or, you know, I think that the easiest thing to do is to simply change the metrics by which you are rewarding your marketers. Right. You don't get a bonus for opens and clicks. You don't get a bonus for increasing your email list. You get a bonus when the sales team hits their number. Mm. I've seen some people go as far t- take reporting and take accountability to the le- to to the nth degree, in which I mean, you actually take away the need to, for for attribution reporting. Don't worry about what comes from what everybody's focused on the same metric. And if everyone's focused and rewarded and compensated on the same metric, shouldn't that drive behavior? Uh, now, that may be more of a theoretical concept than something that can actually work in real life, but it's interesting to think about because of what it could do to actually drive alignment between sales and marketing. Was one last quick one. So if, if uh, wouldn't the marketing people feel like, gee, we're doing everything we can, but those lousy salespeople, they're just not closing them. You know, we're, we're, do, we're holding up our end of the ba- bargain, but because they're not doing their job, I'm not getting my bonus here. That is absolutely the wrong mentality to have and that is a traditional (laughs) a very you know that is a widely accepted uh mentality for marketing if sales isn't closing your leads then you either need to work with them to to improve their follow-up to find out what they're not doing 
or improve the quality of your leads. I mean, something is wrong in that problem, right? right? And it's either better to follow up or the quality of what you're generating or maybe a little bit of both. Like, you can't afford to have the finger-pointing game that has existed forever between sales and marketing. That has to go away. It's another part of that cultural change. And I could argue, you think it's, you think it's going to be hard to change the culture in your marketing department. Wait until you tra- until you actually go try to change the way sales thinks about marketing. Yes, exactly. We, we have trained our sales organizations over decades to think of us as the arts and crafts department, to think that no matter what leads you generate, love that no matter what you say, I love that term, the arts and crafts department. Arts and crafts market. Yeah. At the end of the day, at the end of the month, at the end of the quarter, most salespeople you talk to will say, yeah, marketing's great, but I'm on my own closing deals. Yeah. I'm on my own to hit my number. I have to do that on my own. Right. And look, it, to a certain extent, that's always going to be true. But why can't marketing have a, have, a, have a more – why can't at the end of the month and the end of the quarter – Sales look at what they have to bring across the line and say, well, how can marketing help with this? How can the entire organization rally with me? Many years ago, I uh, was involved in sales as well and ran some sales teams. I can't think of a time, particularly outside sales reps, ever even interfaced, even ever talked to the marketing to people, other than I need some more brochures. Right. Well, I mean, this is this is the mentality that we're entering, right? I mean, I think even if you you come into an organization, let's say you believe in this, let's say you did it at your last company, let's just say let's say you took a new job as head of marketing at, at a new company, and you walk into an organization where sales looks at you and says, "Well, you know, do whatever you're going to do; it's not going to impact me." <laughs> exactly. I've seen, I've seen companies where sales just said, "All I need is script books for marketing, yeah. right? Just give me some script books, and I'm good to go." Yeah. I've seen sales organizations say, "You know, tell tell their sales team in front of marketing, you are on your own." What you get from marketing is gravy. Otherwise, you are on your own to hit your number. Right. I've I mean, seen if I'm a marketer that. hearing that in the organization, I'm worried for my job. Yeah. I'm worried that I am dispensable because that tells me that the sales organization can hit their number without me. At least someone thinks so. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Right. You, you get that big. I think you're right on. That cultural change is huge. You've got to close that chasm. One has got to be tied to the other. And the marketing people have got to trust the salespeople, and the salespeople have got to communicate and see some value in the marketing people. And too often they don't. These changes aren't going to happen right away. I mean, you, you, it is going to take time to build the credibility and trust that is eroded over time between sales and marketing. So you can go to your sales organization and begin this conversation. You can go to the sales kickoff and tell your entire sales team what you're going to do. You're going to have to prove it. You know, those cultural changes are going to require proof. This is trust but verify time for marketing and sales organizations working together. Would you have the so, marketing people get involved in the uh, weekly sales meetings here? Yeah, absolutely, but that's not enough. I mean, I, I've actually seen many organizations say we're going to get sales and marketing working together, and all they really do is invite marketing to the sales meetings. Hmm. You know, and so and so being in the conversation is helpful. Hearing the feedback from the sales organization is interesting, but I think there has to be alignment of objectives. Like everyone has to know what the sales number is, what the pipeline number is to get there, how many leads are needed to feed into that. You have to have the same definitions. What is a qualified lead? What is a qualified opportunity? Do we all agree on that? And what happens when you get one of those? If marketing actually delivers a quality lead, what does sales say they're going to do? And a percent of those might not be as quality as you thought. And so how does that get recycled back to marketing? And now what does marketing do with that to nurture them until they're ready? So having that in place is critically important. I know we're going to run out of time here. I want to quickly name the other three so we don't leave people hanging. So number one, objectives and alignment. Number two, reporting. Number three, culture. Number four is what we call the OODA loop. It's not what we call it. The OODA loop's been around in the military for a long time. It stands for observe, orient, decide, act. 
And this exists because the path to sales and marketing engagement, the path to better profit center marketing is going to be paved with failure. I guarantee you're going to try to do some things that don't work. It's going to be critical that you have an empathy to make that work. You have to assume that both sales and marketing are trying to do the right thing, that you're working with the best of intention. And when you can do that, when things fail, you don't start the finger pointing game. You say, okay, well, that didn't work. What do we do now? How do we make that better? How do we improve on that? Your ability to be transparent about what's working and to be empathetic with your peers in marketing and then across the aisle in sales is critical. And then the last not last piece, number six in my keys to profit center marketing, is accountability. Everything we've talked about so far builds up to this. It's being accountable for the results of what you're generating. This is not about turf battles. This is not about playing political games. This is not about finger pointing. It's being accountable to a number that you may or may not control. I've had many marketers tell me they, they're, they're not willing to embrace revenue responsibility because they don't control when the deal gets done. I have yet to meet a salesperson that controls when the deal gets done. In many B2B contexts, the buyer doesn't control when the deal gets done. So let's take control off the table. Control does not precipitate accountability. Accountability exists because you are focused on the right objective. You're focused on the right outcome. So your ability to take accountability for profit of the business, for revenue results in the business, is going to drive behavior. It's going to drive your culture. It's going to drive the transparency you embrace that makes you more successful. So, I mean, look, these aren't easy things to do. These, these aren't, you know, these aren't necessarily, uh, depending on the culture in your business and how other people perceive you in marketing and how your marketing team acts, these aren't things that you can necessarily all change overnight. There's a lot of changes to the golf swing here, Paul. Yeah, and, I think uh, you're going to drive marketers to drink here. <laughs> no, this is not, look, this is not, this This is, I don't know what this is meant to be, but I think you're, ideally this is inspirational. I know maybe I'm approaching it a little differently, but I think this, this is a huge opportunity for marketers, for salespeople, for business leaders to transform not just how marketing is perceived, but how marketing acts and what marketing delivers into the business. And again, this is not something that's necessarily going to change overnight, but it is absolutely something uh, that is a huge opportunity for marketers. I feel like I've been on my soapbox today, Paul. For you have been. Wow, this is. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm shook up here a little bit. I I'm got to I got to go rethink. I I agree with everything you say, though. I have to say that, and I think that those organizations that don't recognize this, this isn't something that you uh, that that you should aspire to do. I think that it's something you have to do, or you expire. Yeah. I, I I think it's that kind of uh, uh, you know. I think it's that kind of uh, speaks to the whole core of whether you continue in business or not here. I agree with you. It's an existential. That no, was the word I was looking you know, for. This is, you know, the, the message here is meant to be entirely positive, and, and, and the idea that you can sort of make progress on this into 2017 is well within uh, is well within the, the realm of possibility and application for anybody listening. I'm going I'm to give you a thought starter for another conversation here, which, which I'll, I'll just plant here. Is this something that you have to cram down their throats? Or is this something that once they get it, marketers will say, hey, this not only makes my job easier, this makes me more money or makes me a better employee or makes me a more valued member of the team or something. I mean, in other words, is there an upside to this that we're not pointing out to something or is this something you just have to force upon people whether they like it or not? Well, if you force it on people, it's probably not going to work very well. You know, I think it's easy for me to look at this stuff and see it kind of, it's, I mean, it's common sense, but, you know, maybe that's because I'm on the other side of the mountain. 
Right. Uh, I think that there's, you know, I think a lot of people may look at this and say, well, this is a, this is a long, this is a long path to climb. This is a difficult, this is going to be a difficult road to hoe. But I, but I don't think marketers have much of a choice if they want to remain competitive and relevant to modern B2B organizations. I, I think it's this is this is the most amazing time I've ever seen to be a B2B marketer. Your ability to embrace this makes you such a critical part of the organization. Well, we're going to give uh, Matt Hines uh, a chance to uh, retort and uh, continue this conversation on our next episode. But unfortunately, we've run out of time here. So thanks for listening to Sales Pipeline Radio.